All right, here it is, the Humane Roundup podcast with your host, Daniel Ettinger, and... Ashley Bishop? (laughs) That's you. You are Ashley Bishop, the other host of this great program we have going on here. Well, welcome to episode 100 and something. We're excited to have our guest today that we'll introduce in a little bit, talking about some awesome microchip stuff. Microchips are my favorite. Aren't they yours, too? Oh, every time I get a microchip, I'm so excited until there's that realization (laughs) of, yeah, they probably didn't register the chip anyway. (laughs) That's a, but you know, I think, honestly, I think when microchips kind of first became a trend, we saw a lot of that where people were responsible for uploading their own information onto the microchip, calling the company, and then they just didn't, they never did it, right? And... I think as as we saw that trend happen, most shelters or most implant facilities now automatically upload that information. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing more and more chips registered, but you still maybe by you to the few. Well, you're up in like 1983. <laughs> that's that's where you live. You just live in the 80s. It's not even a state or a city or a county. You're just in the 80s, which is funny because take... I think I think Wisconsin was uh, founded in 1883. Yeah, so you're just, you know, you're still a baby. 100 years in, you guys haven't grown yet uh, into to 2021. It's fine. Um, I've had companies where I get the implant facility information. I give them a call. And they're like, yeah, we don't have records of that. I'm like, how do you not record that? Yeah, it's it's insane to think about what a tool, what a great tool it is. And then the record keeping can be off. And so hopefully we learn a little bit of that later when we introduce our guest, Steve Wilcox, with PetLink. So I'm excited for that. I have a cool story uh, that I want to share that um, it's it's pretty recent, uh, but depending on when the show airs, it may be a little bit old. So you might have heard heard this story. We've talked about the movie Don't Fuck With Cats. That's a a documentary on Netflix before, yeah? Yes. Great. Great documentary, and it shows how uh, technology can be used to catch a criminal, right? Yes, it's actually pretty cool. It's a great show, documentary. If you haven't seen it yet, it's called Don't Fuck With Cats. I think it's still on Netflix. It was on Netflix at one point, but I'm sure you can find it through the internet if it's no longer available on Netflix. I I think it's a Netflix original, so it's probably still there. Yeah, it should be, because it's done really well. Well... Again, technology, and and I think it just ties into talking about what we're going to talk about today in some aspects, is the use of technology. This one's a little different, obviously. Out of Davis County, Utah, a man was arrested for allegedly torturing and killing guinea pigs. Okay, and so he was helped. Huh? Why guinea pigs? Why any animal? (laughs) Well, this is true, but... Yeah. Okay. People are sick. He was helped put away by a group of Reddit users, including one on the other side of the world. Adrian, a 17-year-old from Norway who goes by the username U forward slash Memgwe, I don't know if that's how you say it because he's from Norway, saw videos that a man posted showing him abusing guinea pigs. I just wanted to cry because it was such a big impact. How could someone that lives on this earth, how could someone do that, said Adrian. Motivated by his love for animals and his own guinea pigs, Adrian created a group dedicated to tracking down the abuser. The group slowly grew to about 28 people around the world. Group members found a Petco bag in one of the abuser's videos, indicating he was from the United States. 
Together, they were able to find multiple social media accounts of the abuser and eventually an old address in West Bountiful before calling the police. That's when they realized two of their group members were police officers. One of the officers commented and said, thanks, we'll take it from here, said Adrian. Assistant Police Chief Adam Osoro, I don't know, he's not from Norway, but I still can't pronounce his name. Uh, That's just a damn thing. Yeah, it is a damn thing. Says their Woods Cross agency became involved when Bountiful Police learned about the abuser was living in their area. They collected 17 videos that depict animal abuse, and they're horrific, to say the least. Police found the 18-year-old suspect and made a quick arrest. We moved so quickly to make sure that no other animals were harmed and to provide this person some treatment. And then stopping abuse a continent away, Adrian said he never thought his Reddit group could make such a difference. So it's just neat to show that impact, how technology can be utilized in so many different ways. And, you know, a 17, think about it. Like, you know, I know a lot of people are on the internet and have different uses for it, but this kid's on Reddit gets together a group, ha- happens to enlist, doesn't even know, but enlists some police officers in that group, and they track down a kid abusing and torturing uh, guinea pigs, and and hopefully, you know, he gets the appropriate justice. So just a, a great story, and, and shout out to Adrian. If you're listening from Norway and want to come on the show, I highly doubt you're listening, <laughs> my man, but reach out to the show, because we want to thank you in person for doing that. So just a neat story there. That is pretty cool. I, some of the things that people can do, you know, you've got your keyboard warriors and then you have your web sleuths as they're called. Um, but they really can do some incredible things if you use the technology the right way. Absolutely. And it sounds yeah. like they did that. Yeah. Well, and check us out. When... Speaking of technology, check us out on Facebook and Instagram, Humane Roundup h.o.bishops on Instagram, Facebook, Daniel, Animal Protection Officer Daniel. I might change that name. I don't know to what, but Animal Protection Officer Daniel to... I mean, um, that's your title, isn't it? Yeah, I know, but maybe I'll make it more fun, like Jumping Dan. Um, (laughs) I have no idea. Is it like Jumping Beans or what? No, not at all. I just, I like to jump. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Animal <laughs> Protection Officer Daniel on Instagram, Facebook. Check out HumaneRoundup.com, HumaneRoundup.com for more information. Should we get our guest in here? What do you think? I think so. All right, let's do that. Let's introduce Steve Wilcox, Vice President of PetLink. How you doing, Steve? Hey, Daniel. Hey, Ashley. Doing great this morning. And I, Vice President of Sales, I should say, I probably got that a little wrong, but good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. Yeah, that's okay. We're not all about titles here, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, for our listeners, I think it's good to, you know, we had Cheryl Ann Fernandez on with PetLink um, several episodes ago to talk a little bit about what she does and, and what PetLink is, but maybe some of our listeners are newer or haven't heard that episode. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, just kind of giving a little background on PetLink and what what it is that you do yeah fine um so PetLink is uh one of north america's largest pet reunification databases so millions of pets and pet owners registered in the database uh we have thousands uh, of new pets and new owners every month uh, we've been around for more than 20 years our parent company data mars uh, been around for more than 30 years and is the largest international provider for animal uh, 
pet ID uh, identification. So I joined the company like Cheryl Ann um, eight years ago, and it's been a whirlwind fun ride for, for eight years. So we, we love what we do. Uh, I always say if you're ever having a bad day or we're having a bad day, we just stop and take a look at the um, pet reunification stories or the thank yous from pet owners about thanks for getting Fluffy back home, and those never get old. So, um, and as you guys started out when you were talking about microchips and yeah, one of the struggles is making sure that those chips get registered. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've run into so many of them that aren't in, in the record keeping. Now I will say that maybe my record keeping isn't the greatest when I do my events because I do an event with, um, I actually work with Debbie Collings um, to get my microchips through you guys. Um, and I do an event, free rabies vaccine. All they have to do is license their pet, and then we offer $10 microchips. Um, but the registration on the spreadsheet is amazing and simple, and people need to just do it. Um, so I already register for the people, so it's not as big of a deal. but should I need it? I have the records, just not in a way that would be easy to find, but I could do it. Yeah, and as you um, or Daniel mentioned, so a lot of the registrations for, you know, coming through rescues or shelters uh, are done through software, or we do have the mass import, you know, spreadsheet uh, option available. The real struggle um, and a real mission of mine for the past six, seven years is getting vets uh, to, to do the registration. Um, so we do have integration or automated registration with most every um, shelter rescue management software out there. And we finally, after seven years of persuasion and uh, pleading, uh, we have integration where uh, we work with just about every veterinary practice management system out there for automated registration. And we um, have thousands of vets now doing the registration that way. So every pet gets registered. Because if they don't, if the if the vet just says to the pet owner, here's the paperwork, go home and register, you know, 35 to 40% of those pets aren't registered, even though for our chips that are sold by a vet, the registration's free, updates are free for the life of the pet. Pet owners never pay us a penny, um, but they still don't get registered if it's not done at the vet office. So that's a good thing. Um, we wish we could get everybody on automated registration, and, you know, we're getting there, slow but sure. Steve, with... With microchips, and we're going to get into this app here in a second. How many different microchip companies are there? Um, so there's there's uh, kind of two questions in there. There's how many microchip companies, and there's how many registries. If you okay. if you go to the Aha Pet Microchip Lookup.org website, uh, which has got a new address now, it's actually part of the Aha website, uh, American Animal uh, Hospital Association. Um, there are 29 participating companies. Um, not all of them sell microchips, um, but they provide some kind of registry service uh, for registering a pet. Uh, some are free. Some will charge $80 a year or $300 for a lifetime. It's just crazy how much some of them charge. Um, but uh, so 29 registries is kind of the number you know, when you're talking about microchip you know, protection and and microchip reunification. Um, we service about 40%, 40 
somewhere between 40-45% of veterinarians in the U.S. use a PetLink microchip. It's about the same number for shelters and rescues in the U.S. and Canada. Um, we service about 40% use a, a uh, PetLink DataMars microchip. And it's, you know, just like everything else, the quality, uh, we have this document we share with, you know, potential clients and things about, you know, what to look for in a microchip company. And it's something that people kind of take for granted or really don't put much thought into. Um, we're one of the traditional ones. We uh, brought the ISO code to the U.S. and stuck with it. And it's now the, you know, preferred and default for probably 95% of microchip companies. There's one company that still sells non-ISO chips as their primary. But for everybody you else, say, uh, can you, for our listeners, yeah, what's an ISO chip? Yeah, so ISO is International Standards Organization. So an ISO chip is recognized worldwide. So if you have a pet um, and you want to travel to Europe, that microchip needs to be ISO compliant. So 15 digits, uh, 15 numeric digits, and transmit at a frequency of 134.2 kilohertz. Um, so we don't want to get too technical there, but that that's an ISO certified or ISO compatible microchip. There are microchips that have nine digits or ten digits, and let's say you don't see those a lot anymore. Um, but yeah, Avid's known, right? Avid's the one that does the nine-digit code. Yeah, they're one of them. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> we see, we still see those quite a bit. The only thing that I would say about Avid that stands out uh, is some of their chips have an internal temperature for the dog. It's unbelievable. So it'll show the nine-digit code, and then it'll flash on your microchip scanner like a hundred and 1.5 degrees and i'm like what yeah. that's amazing that's not but i have to imagine a, you have to have a special scanner for that yeah you do um and that's not avid it's another company that has brought that microchip to market so oh, okay we're a we're a world leader um members of our company our ceo members of our engineering staff sit on the iso board and the um icar international committee for animal recording uh, committees that set the standards and, you know, regulate the, the industry worldwide. The, um, you know, we've looked at the temperature chip as a company, uh, and the chip was truly developed for the lab market. Uh, there's been several organizations that have tried to use it, um, and the, the microchip company that's providing it, you know, I think that's the only type of chip they're selling now, um, is a temperature chip. But... A lot of organizations that have tried it, you know, have quickly learned the limitations or uh, pitfalls of it. So there was a equine organization that tried to make it their default chip. And, you know, if you've got a horse out in a pasture in Texas in June and it's 90 degrees or 100 degrees and you bring that horse into the barn for treatment and you scan it, you're not going to get the body temperature with that microchip. It's going to be elevated. Um, same thing with a dog or a cat or any other companion animal. If you're in Wisconsin, Ashley, with your pet or a pet, and you, you know, today's world, right, everybody's having to stay in a car. The techs come out and get the pet and bring it in. So if you're out in that car for a period of time, that animal's brought in and immediately scanned, and you're sitting there and the, it was, you know, 32 degrees outside, or I used to live in Madison, it could be 10 degrees outside. Um <laughs> That, that, again, is not going to be a true temperature. That pet's going to have to become acclimated to that room temperature where you get anything close to a body temperature. So, like I said, it was developed for the lab market where animals are in a controlled environment 24-7 for however long that, that you know, project is going on. 
And there, if you have an animal in a controlled environment over a period of time, you can use that mica chip to maybe, you know, monitor temperature changes over time. But it's not reliable for an animal that's coming into, you know, a vet clinic um, or to be serviced by a vet for 20 minutes and then back out into the, the cold or heat or whatever the environment is. I think that's definitely some information that may be misled. Um, but that's good to know. Uh, but again, like you said, you'd have to have a special. Dan, have you had one that showed up on your scanner? Yeah, and I don't think our scanner is any different. I think I, I've i had a few, and I just wonder, you know, I, mean, I never had a chance to ask the owner. I just wonder if it's like a maybe a, an AKC show dog, and they, they just want to make sure that it's always, you know, in good condition when it's when it's um, being transported, because a lot of those, you know, animals spend a, a lot of time traveling. So maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But it's neat. Um, talk about, Steve, I mean, obviously, primarily, we, we microchip cats and dogs, right? But what are some other animals? I know you mentioned horses. What other animals do people utilize microchips for? Yeah, horses is becoming a big one. The Jockey Club made it mandatory for all new thoroughbred foals about four years ago. Um, they used thousands. I, when, I, when I started talking with them and... Um, I've never really been around the equine industry or, or business much, but uh, roughly 24,000 new thoroughbred foals are born every year in the U.S. Um, so they've made it mandatory for that. Uh, Canada's getting ready to introduce mandatory uh, microchipping for equine as well. Uh, they're going to use um, a country code versus a, a manufacturing code. So every country has an assigned uh, microchip code. Um, more prevalent in Europe uh, and overseas anywhere, um, not so much here in the U.S. Um, so you'll see anything from, you know, um, tortoises and snakes. Um, uh, Where do you microchip rabbits. a tortoise? What's that? Where do you microchip a tortoise? Uh, in its foot. Oh. So um, I talked to a veterinary clinic in uh, Phoenix last week and they are doing hundreds of rabbits they have a, pretty much a rabbit tnr program in the city of phoenix wow um, <laughs> we've right. seen we've seen some agencies move away from your standard micro or excuse me your standard city license and go with the microchip instead and so i know that's a movement as well where you may still have to have like an identification tag like you know a lot you know lost pet tag with a phone number or address but you don't mm -hmm. need the license as long as you have the microchip I, are you seeing more of that from your end as well 